Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. episode is airing on Tuesday, May 4th, 2021. Hello everyone, this is Shannon and it's Tuesday, so that means I'm here to talk with you about new books because Tuesdays are days when so many great books are released into the world. But before we can talk about a whole bunch of new books, we have to focus on a single book for a little while. So Natalia and I were lucky enough to catch up with author Chanel Cleeton a couple of weeks ago. And if you've been a longtime listener of the podcast, you may remember that Chanel was our very first Book Bistro author interview back in 2019. So it was really, really great to get to know a little bit more about what she's been up to and hear about her writing process some more, especially as she wrote, um, you know, as she was writing her 2021 book, which is The Most Beautiful Girl in Cuba. So without any further talking from me, let's get into the housekeeping information, and then we'll move directly into the interview. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro Podcast. This is Shannon, and I have Natalia with me this morning. And we are delighted to welcome Chanel Cleeton back to Book Bistro. She was our very first, very first podcast interview um, ever. And that was two years ago, approximately. And now she is back to talk with us about her latest book, which is called The Most Beautiful Girl in Cuba. It releases here in the U.S. on May 4th. So Chanel, thank you so much for coming back. Thank you for having me. I'm so thrilled to be here. So as always, I'd like to start out with you giving listeners a little bit of an introduction to The Most Beautiful Girl in Cuba. Sure. So The Most Beautiful Girl in Cuba is set kind of during the Gilded Age um, and right before the Spanish-American War. The book opens up in 1896, and it's the story of three women who are kind of involved in this fight for independence that's going on in Cuba, um, trying to get independence from Spain. And really, it was inspired by the true story of Evangelina Cisneros. Uh, She is a Cuban woman who was a revolutionary and was falsely imprisoned by the Spanish in one of the most kind of notorious jails in Havana for women, uh, Recogidas, for her part in kind of rejecting the advances of the Spanish colonel. 
And so while she was imprisoned, her case came to the attention of William Randolph Hearst, who was the publisher of the New York Journal, um, one of kind of the most prominent New York newspapers at the time. And he was involved in this really big rivalry with Joseph Pulitzer, um, whose paper, The New York World, had, pre- had previously been kind of the preeminent newspaper in New York. And Hearst really took Evangelina's story and splashed it all over her, his newspapers. He called her the most beautiful girl in Cuba. He's the one that gave her that title. And he used her plight as a rallying cry to try to get the United States involved in the war between Cuba and Spain. And so I was really just kind of fascinated by this time period in history. You have these sort of larger than life personalities. You have all these intersections between Cuba and the United States. Um, And then the story of this very young girl who was kind of caught in the middle of all of it. And at the same time in Cuba, um, the fight for independence from Spain was a really, really difficult time in Cuban history. Um, The Spanish put Cubans in reconcentration camps and many people perished from disease, um, you know, hunger. And so it's really just this very kind of sad and dark time in Cuban history. And I really wanted to understand a little bit better, um, you know, what, what that time period was like for Cubans and, and what it was like trying to gain independence from Spain. So you kind of have all of these things going on. And then, of course, if you know U.S. history, um, this is also the time period when um, the USS Maine explodes in Havana Harbor and you have the beginning of the Spanish-American War as well. So in a lot of ways, this is kind of a a sweeping novel, even though its scope is relatively small in terms of the amount of years that it covers, it has a lot going on. Yes. And um, from a research perspective, I will say that, you know, when I went into it, I don't know that I fully appreciated um, just how sweeping it was going to be. Um, I ended up reading about 100 research sources just trying to capture all of the different um, angles in the book because each one on its own was really kind of fascinating to me. And there were so many, you know, research places you could go with it. Um, So it definitely um, is just kind of a a time period I didn't know as much about going into it and um, really learned so much and just found so many interesting things about it. I was planning that. I I love learning about um, Cuban history and when I read about it you know little by little and I've been learning lately uh, I have to take a break because it's a lot it's a lot of just so much information that is really meaty and really interesting to me and you know speaking of which your novel is written in various perspectives three different perspectives actually And I just wanted to know, do you have a favorite perspective? Was there one that was more difficult to write than others? That's a great question. Um, I think for me, I will start with more difficult. And I I will say Evangelina was tough just because it was the first time I'd written a real life figure. And given, you know, the circumstances around her life, how much she kind of became this international celebrity, I really wanted to stick to um, what I could kind of glean as being her most accurate truth independent of you know all the other things that were written about her so I really tried to be faithful to what we know about her obviously there was a lot we don't know and so um that you know would make it challenging because I didn't want to extrapolate too much so really tried to stick to um what is kind of historically known um about the time period in which she lived and, and what her perspective was on things that that we do know um, beyond that, I will say in terms of favorites, um, I always kind of love um, the Prez family that they've been a family that I've been writing about in my earlier historical fiction books. 
And um, in this book, you'll meet Marina Perez. She is um, one of the Perez ancestors. And I really, um, I think, connected to her story a lot. She is a woman who is in Cuba during this time period. She um, becomes a courier. She's involved with um, some of the, the movements of the revolutionaries trying to gain independence from Spain. And she's also in a reconcentration camp. And so she's a woman whose husband is off fighting um, for freedom. And she's really trying to find her place and her, and her way that she can fight for Cuba and, and for the free Cuba that she dreams of. So it's interesting because when I was first reading this novel, I came across Marina and I thought, oh, you know, Perez. And then I, I wondered kind of what her connection was to some of the other characters that we've met in previous books of yours. And then I just got totally sucked into the novel. So I sort of stopped thinking about it. But I think it is very cool that we can kind of visit this family like at different places in history. Yes. And we're actually getting the arcs don't have it, but the finished copies will have a family tree. So we're going to, and I think we're going to try to put it in the book club guide, a book club guide as well. Um, but the family tree kind of shows um, all of the characters, which books they're in and how they all relate to each other. And I actually just finished writing a book that's going to be out in 2022 that um, we start to meet Marina's ancestors and they're going to interact with the Prezes that we've already met. So it's a different branch of the family. Um, she obviously kind of makes some different choices and sort of leaves um, her family home and goes off and marries someone she loves and her path goes in a slightly different direction. So we'll start to meet her uh, granddaughter and some of her um, relatives in future books. So I will ask you- I love you... when books connect. Oh, I do too. I it do was too. fun. It was like a big reunion, like a family reunion for all my characters. So that was fun to, to get to work on. So we can go in a couple of directions here and I'm going to leave it up to you. Um, we've talked a little bit about your research and a little bit about what is coming next for you, both of which are topics I wanted to visit um, in greater detail. So where would you like to go next? I'm, I'm happy to, happy to go in, in whichever direction. I'm happy to talk about the research if you want to, to talk about that. Okay. So let us talk about research then. And you mentioned previously that this was a lot of research. And so I'm wondering, did you learn anything that you found particularly surprising or just of, of special interest to you? Honestly, so much. I mean, when I went into this, you know, I'll be honest, I grew up in um, a Cuban household. My grandparents lived with us growing up. And so you know, they talked about Cuba pretty much every day. My grandparents and my father left Cuba in 1967. My dad was a young boy and my grandparents had lived their whole lives there. Um, and all of the family kind of came over in different, um, different waves. But when, you know, growing up, they always talked about their memories of Cuba and it was very much living under Castro, the revolution, you know, just kind of their, their daily life in Cuba but I didn't really hear as much about uh, more distant Cuban history from them. You know, that was one thing that um, I don't even really know how much they talked about themselves because when I was researching this book and I came across the reconcentration camps, that was something I was completely unfamiliar with. I didn't know that that was going on during the fight for independence. And I asked my dad and my grandfather about it um, because he honestly, my grandfather wasn't born that much after these events. I mean, his parents would have been alive in this time period. And so I was trying to understand like what he'd heard about it or what that must've been like for people. 
And he really didn't have um, that much, you know, to add to it. And so I don't know, you know, it's hard when you're going back this much in history. I don't know if it's a situation where people didn't talk about it because it was such a painful experience. Um, I'm, I'm not really sure, you know, why that hasn't been passed on as much. But I've talked to other Cubans who have kind of said similar things that they weren't aware of this period in history. You know, you'll know some points, but really understanding how bad it was in Cuba um, during this time period was new to me. And so that was really an eye opening experience. You know, I knew a little bit about the Gilded Age and the newspaper wars, but not kind of the extent of of what those figures were like. Um, And so that was certainly interesting to kind of get this perspective on on what that must have been like. And then also Evangelina herself. Um, She was not a Cuban heroine that I was familiar with. And so when I heard her story, I just found it so interesting. And especially the intersections between Cuba and the United States. As a Cuban American, I I do find that kind of interesting um, to go back and look at that history and how much that's informed, you know, going forward Cuban politics and Cuban history. Um, So all of that was just really fascinating to me. And I spent quite a bit of time um, before I even started writing, you know, doing all of this research and kind of gathering these uh, stories and perspectives and trying to understand how I wanted to structure the novel. Um, And really the heart of it was always kind of Evangelina, but what effects her story had um, from kind of a geopolitical perspective. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's a, as I, you know, said before, it's a very meaty, tumultuous, interesting uh, history I think so. It must, it must be uh, a lot to learn and a a lot to, to, I guess, digest when writing the story. And I think you did a really great job at bringing it to the page. And another thing that I've noticed that you do a lot with your novels is that you mix uh, romance and historical uh, ideals or, or, you know, historical time periods. Um, Is there a specific reason you do that? And do you think that one is more challenging than the other? Is there a difference or does it just happen naturally for you? You know, I think it it kind of is um, just kind of one of my core parts of storytelling for me. I think we all kind of have certain themes or things in our voice that we come back to when we tell stories. Um, Before I wrote historical fiction, I wrote romance. And so that's definitely something, you know, that's kind of always been in my in my storytelling And I just love exploring kind of different um, relationships between people and and the emotional impact that they have. And I think often when you pair that with historical events, you get kind of a richer, fuller narrative on um, what people's true lives were like on kind of a daily personal level um, against the backdrop of of these often large um, and tumultuous historical events. So with this book, you know, the romance um, with Evangelina, the romance is all very much following what happened in her real life. and so I, oh, wow. I took, yes, none of her romance is fictional. That all happened. And I don't want to spoil too much, um, although it's out there if you look up the details of her life. But yeah, that's all um, straight from the historical record and um, how she, uh, how things ended up for her are, are real um, and true to the history. And then with Grace, I, I did have kind of a fictional romance that I put in there. Um, Grace is my journalist heroine who's working um, for the New York Journal and, and is writing about Evangelina. And I, I did get to kind of give her a, a fictional romance that that really, I think, um, for me was kind of a, a fun thing to be able to add in. I know my readers like um, that in my stories. And so I always kind of look for opportunities to, to bring that to them. And then we see a bit of a romance in Marina's as well, um, albeit a little bit different because she is married. So it was kind of a different way for me to write romance, um, but I enjoyed that. 
There are so many guises of love in your books and just the way that it manifests in so many different ways. And that's something that I really appreciate about your books, because I think often when we think about love, we think about just like romantic love. And not that that isn't featured in your books, but we also get to see like the numerous other types of love that exist and how important those are in the lives of your characters. And so kind of in in the lives of people in general no I definitely that's something I really enjoy kind of exploring and 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 writing about um and and I do love kind of looking at those relationships and how they inform the characters and their decisions and um really I think that's such a big part of their development is is you know who do they care about why do they care about that person what what are the stakes for them and how is that motivating them and and their actions and their decisions I want to deviate just a little bit um, because you brought up Grace and Grace was a personal favorite of mine as I read this book. And so I'm interested in kind of your decision to not only write Evangelina's story, but to kind of pair her off with these other fictional characters. And I'm wondering kind of what role you, you think your fictional characters play in terms of bringing like more depth and breadth to your story? Well, I think one of the challenges with writing Evangelina's story is that um, obviously, you know, I had to make a choice. Are we going to follow the history faithfully or or are we going to make changes in the story? And I wasn't comfortable making changes um, to her lifetime and, and the timeline. So with her, she's in Recogidas for a large part of, um, these events. And she's kind of at times cut off from any outside um, communication. So to give just her perspective, the reader wasn't going to be able to see um, lots of the events that were going on at this time period, because um, she's kind of a limited POV in the sense that she's in Recogidas and she doesn't have um, the ability to really get news at sometimes um, of what's coming going on in the outside world. And so I wanted to show the perspective of how all of these forces are sort of coming together in the fight for independence. And I don't want to spoil too much. I mean, obviously, if you know your history, some people might know this, um, some people might not, but I don't want to spoil the plot too much. But, um, you know, with the lead up to the Spanish-American War and then the aftermath of the Spanish-American War, I felt like you really kind of had to understand, and I definitely had to understand, um, what the discussions that were going on uh, leading up to that, how they informed the U.S.'s involvement, the aftermath of the U.S.'s involvement, and giving that perspective really came out for me through a journalist of this time period. And I had read quite a bit about Nellie Bly, who was an American journalist who was writing with for the New York papers. She's sort of, um, they were called stunt reporters, and she's sort of kind of one of the more famous stunt reporters in New York at the time. And so I wanted to create a character that was inspired by a woman doing some of the things that Nellie Bly did, um, who could be involved in this uh, situation with Evangelina and could give us the perspective of the American newspapers, how this was playing out on kind of a a level outside of Cuba, and, and to understand how Evangelina really is sort of used by the newspapers to advance their aims. And then with Marina and introducing her character, you know, there was so much going on in Cuba at the time that was really powerful and important. I mean, I spent so much time kind of wondering what would my family members have been doing in this time period? What would their lives have been like? And I really wanted to bring that to the reader. 
um, and, and do it in a way that they could kind of understand all the different angles of this and how it all affected everyone's lives. And so that was where Marina really came to be. Um, and I got to have her be involved in, in this story and also show a bit of, of what some of her struggles were. That's and each of these women bring such different yet vital experiences to the story. And as I'm listening to you talk about it, <clears throat> I'm trying to kind of figure like, what would it have been like if we hadn't gotten one of the perspectives? And I think it's, it's just really hard to imagine now that I've read it and kind of fully embraced its scope. Yeah, I think it would have been incomplete for me. Um, even though they're fictional perspectives of a, of a real thing, I feel like it completed the story in a way that not having them wouldn't have. Well, thank you. That, as, I, as I did all the research, that makes me happy to hear that you think that's so a thank you. Thank you. Anytime. Well, now that we're, I know that you mentioned this a little while ago about what's coming next for you. Um, but I, I do want to ask, can you give us a little bit more of an idea what we can look forward to for your book for next year? Sure. So I can, I can definitely talk about it a little bit. Um, it's going to be out in 2022, I think probably summer time frame as well. Um, and it is a dual timeline, 1960s and 1930s. And I awesome. will just say that in the 60s storyline, um, we're going to get Isabel's story. So we're going back to the Isabel! original. Press. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Finally. Um, so, yes, I've been, you know, I kept, that's one of the questions I get most from readers is if I'm going to tell the other sister stories. And for a long time, I will be honest, I didn't have, you know, kind of that right, like, meeting of, of the character and where they needed to be in history and what would be going on. And I, I couldn't kind of find that connection that, that felt right. And then I, I did kind of find it for her and, um, and, and have written her story. I just turned it into my editor in March. Um, so hopefully we'll be going into edits soon and, and working on that. Um, we do have a title, which I can't share. Um, and I think they're working on the cover. So my guess is we'll probably start to announce stuff like or probably early fall, late summer, early fall. Um, but yeah, it's 1960s, 1930s. You're going to meet, um, you know, all the sisters are coming back and then uh, Mirtha is going to make another appearance. So she kind of plays oh, a big role in it. Um, great. Yes. You'll see her in the thirties and in the sixties. And then some of Marina's ancestors are going to show up in the thirties and the sixties. So it's really, like I said, it's kind of a family reunion of characters for me. Um, it, it picks up sort of right when, when we left Cuba left off. So I you're picking up right that. there. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's kind of right after that. Um, and then goes through a, a kind of short period in the sixties and then the thirties timeline is prior. No, it's right after uh, the last train to Key West. The, so, so wow. you'll see Mirtha married and, and right after the last train to Key West. So it's all connected. Yes, yes. Yes. That's, that's what has been really interesting for me. Um, Cause I know I've written the books kind of out of chronological order, but then when I wrote this book, that's coming out next year, I, it, all of a sudden I kind of understood why that had to work the way it did for the characters to kind of come together um, in this book, the way that they have. I remember when we talked to you a couple of years ago, you told us about The Last Train to Key West, like that was going to be your 2020 book. And then you also gave us a little bit of a sneak peek for this one, which I really, really looked forward to. And I have to tell you that like the past two years as I've been waiting for this one to come out have just seemed so long. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> it often feels like that for me too, because we write the books like so far in advance from when they come out. Um, so I'm actually right now writing my 2023 release. And so oh, it is, like, yes. yeah, your mind's like, okay, I'm editing one, writing one, promoting one. So it's a little bit jumbled sometimes for me when I talk about them, but yes. Right. And then when those fans like us, we start squeaking about this book, you're probably thinking, what? Oh, you mean that book that I wrote two books ago? Right. Let me go back to that mindset. <laughs> yeah, so it's time t- to promote it now. Oh, to- wait. Oops. <laughs> I have to remember. What was I? What did I write again? <laughs> it's always good to kind of refresh memory, um, especially with all the different time periods. I feel like I jump through history sometimes, you know. Right. And, you know, speaking of jumping through and books, what are are you reading anything that you want to tell us about is there something that you feel like the world really needs to know that you've read that you've just enjoyed immensely um i have read some really great books lately so i um right now i'm reading uh the riviera house by natasha lester which is a world war ii um, novel about stolen artwork and that one is coming out i believe in august or september um, and then I finished recently The Personal Librarian by Marie Benedict and oh. Victoria Christopher Murray. And that was phenomenal. Um, it's about Bella DeCosta Green, who was um, Morgan's personal librarian and curated this amazing collection for him. And we're actually doing a few events together for the Most Beautiful Girl in t- uh, Cuba tour and for the Personal Librarian tour virtual events. So I'm really excited for that. Um, that is so exciting. Yes. Yeah. It'll be really fun. It's always fun when you love a book and then you get to talk to the authors about it. And I I will admit, yes, (laughs) I'm always like so curious about co-writing. Like I just, um, I think that's so fascinating being able to work with someone else and, you know, I always want to know about the process. So I'm really curious to hear what that was like for them and how they actually did it. Like, did they trade off scenes or, you know, how the, that worked out for them. So I'm, I'm excited for that. Yeah, it's really great when you read a book and it's so seamless. And then you look at the, you know, you look and you're like, oh, wait, this is two people. Yeah, two people wrote this. Yes. So you mentioned doing a couple of events and especially since the pandemic, I have been trying to talk with authors a little bit about what they're doing to promote their work during these COVID times. Mm-hmm. So do you have any events that um, you'll be doing around publication that you would like people to know about? Yes. Um, so I am going to be doing a virtual tour for The Most Beautiful Girl in Cuba, and I'm about to put the tour schedule up on my social media soon, um, but I'm doing a launch event at Books and Books. Um, there's Here in um, Miami? Yes, it's virtual, but yes, yeah, it's going to be a virtual event. um, Wonderful. With them, which I'm really excited about. Um, I'm doing some events with Renee Rosen, um, Kristen Beck, and then um, Kristen Beck. I get to talk to her next week. Oh, she's oh my god, that's awesome. She's really wonderful. I loved that book. I read an arc of it. I guess it's maybe last year, um, and I met her at a conference last year as well, or the year before. Um, and she's, she's really, really lovely. I'm so excited for everyone to read that book. It's, it's phenomenal. So I'm excited for our event. Um, and then yes, Marie Benedict and, and Victoria, Christopher Murray, and I have two events together. So that'll, that'll be fun. How has the pandemic been for you in terms of like how it has changed sort of how you feel like the world relates to your work? You know, I think that's, that's a really interesting question. And I, I will admit, I think it goes, I don't, I don't know if it's just me, but like it goes through phases for me. Um, so 
you know, I hear some people saying that they're reading a lot. Um, I hear some people saying that they're not reading at all. I will completely admit, um, and it's been probably hard for me that I'm such a big reader, but I've had a hard time reading um, this past year. I think just focusing and clearing my head. Um, and I know a lot of people have said they're kind of struggling with that as well. Um, I know some people have, have been looking to fiction and sort of getting lost in these stories, which I think is really wonderful um, to kind of have that and really shows kind of the, the transformative power of, of books and of these stories. Um, so I think it just, it really depends. You know, writing has been a sanctuary for me at times. At times it's been really difficult. Um, there's not definitely like a clear linear answer. Um, it's just been kind of, I think, get through as best um, as you can. You know, I've, I've been very fortunate that, you know, all of my loved ones are healthy and and I've, I feel like I've been very fortunate in the pandemic. Um, but I think, you know, like everyone, it's it's been a difficult time and, you know, we're all kind of doing the best we can with, you know, new responsibilities and new worries and just, you know, things definitely being um, more challenging. Yeah, I think it has affected us all in different ways. In fact, we had an episode about how pandemic had changed our reading, uh, uh, I guess, tastes. I got into this really big post-apocalyptic period i just want to read oh, about viruses decimating yes. the world for That's some reason really interesting. <laughs> yeah like, gosh that seems like such a long time ago that we did right. that I, oh, yeah and it wasn't like forever ago and it's like right. not it was like it's really not <laughs> oh. but you know speaking of how the pandemic has made us more i guess involved in our technology or in our books or more detached for those people who are listening to us right now and perhaps have never read any of your material or don't know who you are where could you be found online uh, is there a social media platform you prefer do you like to be followed on goodreads where can we find you so my website is www.chanelpleaton.com and that's kind of where you can go for um, behind the scenes looks at my books. I have book club guides, recipes, discussion questions, that sort of thing. Um, and then, yes, yes. Um, and I'm active on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, so you can find me there just under my name, Chanel Clayton. Awesome. awesome. Well, I want to thank you so very much for coming back to talk with us today. And I hope that everyone will pick up The Most Beautiful Girl in, Cu in Cuba just as soon as you can, because it is phenomenal. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me again. This was absolutely wonderful. I, I really appreciate you reading the book and taking the time to speak with me. So thank you. You're welcome. It's always a pleasure. You're so welcome. It oh, is. Yeah. Okay. So now, how about new books? It is, of course, the first Tuesday of the month, which means there are a ton of books out. And I had to make a conscious decision to leave some things out. I just came across so many things that I was excited about. But if I talked about all of them, we'd be here for probably an hour or so, and no one wants that. So I narrowed things down as best I could, and these are the things that I've highlighted. So the first few books are books you've heard us mention before on our most anticipated books of May episode. Um, I'm going to start out with a couple that Kristen talked about. The first one is a young adult fantasy novel called Blade of Secrets. It's Bladesmith, book one by Trisha Levenseller. 
Christian is also looking forward to Summer on the Bluff, which is the first book in the Oak Bluff series by Sunny Hostin. And this is kind of a romance slash women's fiction, it looks like. Brooke talked about Shadowed Steel. This is the third book in Chloe Neal's Heirs of Chicago Land series. This is like urban fantasy. And she also mentioned Find You First by Linwood Barclay, which is a thriller. I am super excited about a historical novel, a young adult historical novel. This is Luck of the Titanic, and it's the new book from Stacey Lee. So definitely go back to the most anticipated episode um, for May, which actually aired this past Friday, if you want more information on any of those books. So now let's talk about some books that we haven't talked about before. Um, I'm going to start out with some fantasy, um, like sci-fi and fantasy, I guess, together here. And I'm going to start with Sorrowland. This is the latest novel by Rivers Solomon. And it is a little bit dystopian, a little bit sci-fi-ish. It is about this woman named Vern, who is seven months pregnant and desperate to escape this religious community where she's been living. And she decides that she's going to escape into the woods where she'll have her babies. And apparently all sorts of supernatural things occur once she escapes. So this is Sorrowland, and it's by Rivers Solomon. We then have a new book by Kelly Armstrong. This is Cursed Luck, and it's the first book in a series with the same name. It focuses on a young woman who is a curse breaker, and she is trying to find this necklace, which has apparently been cursed. Um, we here at Book Bistro are big Kelly Armstrong fans. Um, and so surprisingly, this didn't make it into our most anticipated Books of May episode, but I think that's just a testament to how many great books are coming out in May. Um, but this one is Cursed Luck, Cursed Luck Book One by Kelly Armstrong. And Jennifer Saints, um, is releasing Ariadne. And this is a book, if you loved Circe by Madeline Miller, then this is probably a good pick for you. Um, Ariadne is the sister of a terrible beast known as the Minotaur. And she ends up helping Theseus to defeat the Minotaur in mythology. And so this book kind of expands on the story of Ariadne and her relationship with Theseus and also kind of her complicated feelings about the Minotaur, who is her brother. So this is Ariadne, and it is by Jennifer Saint. Now we have The Ones We're Meant to Find. This is a standalone novel by Joan He, and I can't quite decide if this is sci-fi or fantasy. It's set in the future, and the planet has kind of been ravaged by climate change. And so we focus on two sisters who are separated by an ocean and their determination to find one another. And apparently there's all sorts of things that get in the way of them doing this. I also want to talk about Realm Breaker. 
This is the first book in the Realm Breakers series by Victoria Aveyard. And you may be familiar with Victoria Aveyard if you read um, Red Queen series several years ago. And I really loved that series, so I'm anxious to see kind of what a new series from Aveyard will look like. This is one of those stories, um, kind of like Mystic and Rider, um, the first book in the Twelve Houses series by Sharon Shin, where you have kind of this group of misfits who band together for sort of the, the common good. And they don't always trust each other right away. They have to, you know learn to build that trust they have to learn to rely on each other as well as their own magical powers so that is kind of the setup for realm breaker and this is realm breaker book one by victoria aveyard we also have ember of night and this is also the first book in a series with the same title it's by molly e lee and it poses the question what if you were the one person who stood between this epic battle between heaven and hell. Like, what would you do? How would that be? It's Ember of Night, Ember of Night, book one, and it is by Molly E. Lee. So let's talk about some mysteries now, because mysteries are always fantastic. Um, I want to start out with Ruby Falls. This is by Deborah Goodrich Royce. And it is a psychological thriller about a young actress who is married to a man that she's pretty sure is keeping secrets. Now, she is also keeping secrets. And I guess as all of these secrets come to light, we come to understand that no one is who they seem. And you can't really trust anybody. So this is Ruby Falls. And it is by Deborah Goodrich Royce. We also have The Dead Husbands. This is by Carter Wilson. It's out in print and ebook this week. It will be out in audio on May 13th. So if you liked um, Mr. Tender's Girl, which was Carter Wilson's previous novel, then this one might be up your alley. This is The Dead Husband. It's the story of... A murder and our heroine is either a witness or the murderer herself and no one knows who you know no one knows which she is and so we follow things from her perspective as well as from the perspective of someone investigating the crime so this is the dead husband by Carter Wilson this next book I'm pretty excited about um, for kind of a weird reason. This is Family Law by Jin Phillips. And this is an author that I am not at all familiar with. But I love that Jocelyn Jackson is one of her audiobook narrators for this. So I love Jocelyn Jackson. I love everything she writes. I love everything she reads. And so very honestly, I picked this up because she's the narrator. But this is the story of a lawyer who gets kind of caught up in a case that isn't good for her and it causes her to call into question the principles of law that she used to feel really strongly about like is it more important to defend people's rights or is it more important to keep yourself safe so this is set in the American South and I'm really looking forward to it it is Family Law 
by Jen Phillips. Catherine McKenzie has a new book out this week. This is Six Weeks to Live. It's about a woman who thinks that she has cancer. Like that's what she's been told. Um, she's coming to the end of her life. And yet she's not really sure that she believes that cancer is what's killing her. Instead, she wonders if someone could be poisoning her. It's Six Weeks to Live by Catherine McKenzie. We also have a new book by Laura Dave, who is an author that I have not read before, but a couple of her books have been on my TBR pile for a while. This one is The Last Thing He Told Me by Laura Dave, and it is the story of a woman whose husband, they've been married for about a year, he goes missing, and he leaves a note for his wife that basically asks her to protect someone else. Now, she's pretty sure she knows who she's supposed to protect, but that person doesn't want anything to do with her. So can she sort of keep her promise to her missing husband and protect this person while at the same time trying to figure out where he's gone? And this is The Last Thing He Told Me by Laura Dave. I also want to talk about The Favor this is by Rebecca Freeborn, and it is, I don't know, kind of thrillerish, kind of women's fictionish. Um, it's about two friends, and they were really, really good friends in their, their younger years. But now they don't really have much to do with each other, and the only thing that really keeps them bound together is the secret that they share. And because of the secret, one friend owes the other a great debt. And this apparently becomes a problem. So this is The Favor, and it's by Rebecca Freeborn. Let's talk about some historical novels. I want to mention The Girl in His Shadow. This is by Audrey Blake and Amelia Blake. It is the story of a female physician who believed in the power of science and medicine long before the world was ready to believe in her. Um, I love books about women in medicine kind of before that was common. So I'm really looking forward to this. It is The Girl in His Shadow by Amelia Blake and Audrey Blake. We then have a new book by Chris Bojalian. This is called Hour of the Witch. It is set in the 1600s so you know the witch hunts are a big deal here and we have this young woman who does not want to be tried as a witch but because of some scandal that she gets involved in apparently this is what happens i have read and really enjoyed a number of bajillion's books i have to be honest and say that some of his later works haven't appealed to me as much as some of his earlier works did but I'm always really intrigued to see what he'll come up with. And I love books that focus on witchcraft. So this is Hour of the Witch, and it's by Chris Bojalian. And Pam Jenoff has a new novel out this week as well. This is The Woman with the Blue Star. And if you've read Pam Jenoff before, or even if you've just heard of her, you know that sort of her wheelhouse is writing war stories, primarily those set during World War II. And so we have another one of those, um, but it focuses on 
a piece of World War II history that a lot of us don't know about, and that is the significance of the Blue Star. So if you want to know more about that, you'll have to pick it up. It is The Woman with the Blue Star, and it's by Pam Genoff. And let's wind things down today with some romances. So, The Bookshop of Second Chances. This is by Jackie Frazier. This is an author that I have not heard of before today. Well, before my, my preparation for this episode. But it's about a woman who heads to the Scottish coast. She really needs a fresh start. And once she gets to Scotland, she finds herself kind of matching wits with this really grumpy Scottish bookseller. And of course, since this is a romance novel, I'm guessing that you know and I know what happens next. So this is The Bookshop of Second Chances, and it is by Jackie Frazier. Amanda Quick has released the fifth book in her Burning Cove series, and this is The Lady Has a Past. So I used to read a ton of Amanda Quick. Um, she writes as Amanda Quick when she writes historicals, and she writes as Jane Ann Krentz when she's writing contemporaries. And if you want to read some futuristic stuff, she writes those too under the name Jane Castle. But this is an Amanda Quick book. It is set in Hollywood in the 1930s, and I really like early Hollywood stories, so I want to check this series out. Um, it's not one that I'm super familiar with. I've heard good things about the first four books in this series, and so it's one of those that I keep an eye on, and I keep saying, oh, it would be really good to read one of these, and then, of course, that doesn't happen because that's just kind of how I roll. But this is The Lady Has a Past, and it's Burning Cove, book five by Amanda Quick. And last up is a young adult romance. This is Any Place But Here, and it is by Sarah Van Name. This is right up my alley. It is a young adult queer love story set in a Virginia boarding school. And I really, really like boarding school stories, especially when there are queer people in boarding schools. I always wanted to go to like a fancy boarding school when I was a kid. And of course that never happened, but there's just something so insular and intriguing about the like boarding school experience as, as written in fiction. So this is one of those boarding school stories and it is Any Place But Here by Sarah Van Name. And that, my friends, brings us to the end of this selection of new books. I hope I have managed to increase your TBR pile quite a bit. I know mine gets bigger and bigger with each episode that I put out. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, it kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. 
and some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Thank you.